Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to that passage in Exodus 20. If you get those ready, we're going to be looking at verses 8 and 11 in just a moment. Hey, I know what you were thinking. When Heath came out, you thought Mark lost weight, didn't he? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I wish. We're glad they are here. This is a vital partner because uh, children matter, and uh, we need to do the work that Cooks and Hills is doing. So we hope you'll take an opportunity and visit them at the table and become more familiar with what they're doing. We really want to encourage you to do that. If you're visiting Christ Church, my name is Mark. I have the privilege of uh, being one of the ministers here at the church. And we're glad you're with us in this series that Jim explained is how does the faithfulness of God affect our everyday lives, not just Sunday? What does it look like? So far in our series, uh, we have talked about marriage and parenting and relationships. And then last week, we talked about work, how to find balance in the faithfulness of God in all of these things. I'd like to open with a provocative statement this morning, and I believe this to be true, and here it is. Busy is a choice and one for which we're all accountable. Being busy is a choice you and I make, and it is one for which we must answer. And I know in a contemporary Western culture church that this is, you'd much rather have me go back and talk about celibacy again, right? Because some of you can write that off and go, well, that's not my condition right now. I don't have to worry about it. Busyness is an epidemic in the Western culture. In fact, it may be an epidemic worldwide. And so the choices we make reveal our priorities. That's why we need to know that the busyness of our lives is a choice we've made. And it's a choice that we'll answer to both physically, socially, and spiritually. So having looked at this, I need to confess and be transparent with you this morning that this is a tough message for me to preach because I can idolize productivity. It's very easy for me to judge a good day or a bad day. I'll come home at night. I know I'm the only husband who does this. And my wife will say, how was your day? And my answer, I want to answer is, over. That's the best part of it. Because I did everything that day I wanted to do. I got my checklist done. I was productive. I earned my paycheck. I gathered the respect of my peers. I did my responsibilities. And that's a good day. I could have been an idiot to people. I could have been rude and heartless and very selfish. But I got my list done. Am I the only one in the room? You can idolize productivity, can't you? And so because of this, uh, it's important for us to remember some of the things we've learned. That all good theology comes from the book of Genesis, primarily chapters 1 through 11. And everything else in your Bible enhances that and shares with us what it looks like. And so if we're going to understand what we learned last week, that work is a gift from God, not a punishment. That work pre-existed sin's destruction of creation. It was a gift of God. He created us to to produce, create, and enhance. This is when we're most in his image. It, It shows that we're made in his image when we take something that he's given us and we make it useful to others and a blessing. So if work is that, then I want you to understand that rest is a command that brings blessing also. Rest is not easy for us to contemplate, and we'll talk why in just a few moments, But if work was given to us, we need to understand that we are more than productivity machines. We are made in the image of God. We have the soul inside of us, different than all other creation. 
And we're not just a machine that's supposed to produce, 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 and then blow up and die. That there's more to us than we even let on, and there's more to us than our culture will reward. So having said that, I'd like to read again what Jim led us in, Exodus 20. If you have your Bibles open, we'll begin in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God commanded that man work for six days and on the seventh day rest. Why? Because God worked for six days and on the seventh day rested. Last week I showed you in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 that God gave us the prototype for our work, to create, to enhance, to produce. And so because of that, we also look at how God chose to rest. And last week we identified that God didn't need to rest. He wasn't tired. He rested anyway as an example to us of the rhythm that we're created in. God is is infinite. There's no beginning or end to God. We're not. And having said that, God gave us an example by his example to work for six days and to rest for one. But our culture doesn't reward that. Our culture rewards productivity. I I read a lot of biographies. I'm interested in real stories about real people and how I know their name. I love to watch biographies on television. I'm just fascinated by these stories. But I've noticed that our culture, there's a lot of biographies written about people who sacrifice wife and kids or husband and children to gain more money, more fame, so the world would write a book about them. But at the end of the day, they gave up the best parts of being a human to act like a machine. And we ha- that's a cautionary tale, church. Again, the world speaks to us all of these stories, and if we don't hear the word of God, we're going to start to believe the stories the world is speaking. And rest is a blessing. But busyness is a choice, and it's one for which we all are accountable. We treat rest like a sin instead of seeing it as the gift that it is. Because all of creation will rest, either by its own choice or by the collapse that will come if it doesn't. Did you catch that? All creation will rest either by its own choice or by the collapse that will occur to it if it does not do it. Even nature has a rhythm to it that God created. Do you know that God told the Israelites when they went into the promised land that every seven years they were to let the ground go and rest? When manna came, do you remember in the wilderness? Collect it for six days. On the Sabbath, don't collect. Collect enough on Friday, you'll have enough. God will always provide. There is a rhythm to creation. And we think, no, no, if I keep growing the ground and I keep growing and they're telling us that the earth rebels against that and if the earth is not given a rest, your productivity in your crops will decrease if you continue to run at a high pace disrespecting the natural rhythms that God's put into play. You see, God uses the term rest very well. In Psalm 95, he talks about a generation that died in the wilderness and did not receive the Lord's rest. The letter to the Hebrew Christians, especially in chapter 4, talks about this, this Israel, this new church, this new thing that Christ brought in in the new covenant, will receive the rest of God, which is a reward for having labored for the kingdom and trusted him by faith. So, 
If you've disconnected from me, rejoin me here now. Rest is good. Rest is natural, and rest is a part of God's rhythm for you to be a fully actualized human being. Listen to Jesus offer us hope. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and, will, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is rest? Rest trusts a faithful God. This is how we light the box. This is how the faithfulness of God transposes itself into our everyday life. We rest because we trust that if God asks us to do it, it's good. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that I'm a finite creature. God did not need to rest, but he did it as an example. And, and this is something I'm saying to myself, and maybe it bounces off, and some of you will understand what I'm saying. Rest is a blessing from God, even if I don't feel I need it. The response for most of us is, I'm good. I'm good, and honestly, I'm, I'm doing well. Everything's good. Family's good. Work's good. Everything's good. I'm just, I'm, it's a season right now, you know? It's just one of those seasons that I just got to keep hammering. I'm telling you, rest. Trust that God knows more about how to live this life than you and I do. Amen, church? Because ultimately our faith comes down to that moment. Can I trust God when it doesn't make sense to me? So we have definite limits. And rest, instead of being some passive thing, is actually an act of resistance. I want you to reason with me this morning. Rest is not just passively doing nothing. It's resisting doing something. It's resisting our efforts to control everything. It's resisting our need to prove ourselves to our fellow man instead of proving ourselves to our creator. It's resisting the quest to live outside a created rhythm that's a blessing. So rest is a healthy reminder that we can't do it all. In fact, rest is a reminder I'm not God. So it's a sad point. And I'll get happy here in a little bit, okay? I promise. It's a sad point, but I know it's true. I do enough funerals, and I'm involved in enough funerals, that when I see a police officer has to lead us to an intersection and stop all traffic, I'm sadly reminded that we're saying goodbye to a very valuable human being that impacted our lives, but the rest of the world is still going on about its business. I know this to be true. The Sunday after I'm dead, you're going to have church. It's not, never been about me, and it will never be about me. And the truth is, on the day that my family says goodbye to me, restaurants are going to be open, ball games are going to be played, entertainment's, Branson's going to be rocking. <laughs> the world isn't going to stop because I'm gone. Rest reminds me, God had it before I got here, God will have it when I'm gone, do I trust him? Paul gives very important warnings, and it's going to sound like I may be twisting a scripture to fit here, but I think I can make the point. To a Western culture, listen to the words of Paul. 1 Timothy 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, how does that fit into rest? You've got to get off the hamster wheel. You're not a machine created to produce things to prove your worth. You were created by God to be a worshiper in your work, and a worshiper in your rest. And that will get out of balance when work or rest becomes the idol you serve rather than the things you use to serve God. Now, rest can occur, but lack trust. 
So in other words, not all rest is holy. Proverbs 9, or 6, 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So here's what my Bible is teaching me if I pay attention to it cover to cover. There are some that have turned work into an idol, and there are some that have turned rest into an idol. God's standard is you work six days, you rest one. We have to find that balance. Any misappropriation of that balance is not good. It's not the way you were designed. And so instead of turning work or Sabbath into a legalistic thing, some of us were raised, weren't we? At least I was. And I've talked to enough of you to know that some of us were raised in this room that if you did anything on a Sunday afternoon, if you went out to dinner or did anything, that you were breaking the Sabbath. Interestingly, you drove to church, you shaved and showered to come here, you dressed up, you, did, you taught or you received or you served. And Let's not make it legalistic. A Sabbath rest is what brings you rest. It's to get away from your work. But some people say working in your garden. How many of you would say working in your garden is restful to you? How many of you would say sitting on a, a lawnmower or cutting your lawn and having it look nice when you're done is restful for you? How many of you would say sitting in a lawn chair out in the sun reading a book, or maybe not the book, is restful to you? <laughs> How many of you are blessed by the Lord and baking is something that brings you rest? Please? Yes. <laughs> we need to share. Okay. Because what you make rests me. I love it. So you're with me, right? Rest is not uniformly defined. You can actually be doing something and resting if it draws you closer to God rather than draws you closer to entertainment and things that in and of themselves are neutral, but when they keep you away from God become negatives. And yes, the word sluggard is a real word. We might call that person a sloth. They just sit around all day hoping someone else will take care of them. And we're warned that sometimes rest isn't holy. If rest is honored, then God is honored. And that's the heartbeat of today's truth. Jesus needed rest. It's clear throughout Scripture. Mark 6.31 Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus said, no, there's a time to get away from work and simply sit in the presence of God and recover, restore. Jordan White, um, uh, one of our, our team here, he, he said something in the back. He's one of those guys that tortures his body by doing all these triathlons and riding his bike to Texas and back and stuff like that. And he's in great shape. And he said, you know, one of the principles of creation that God's built in, and it's so true, is that as an athlete or someone who's working physically, you tear your body down doing the work, but where do you find your recovery? In allowing your body to rest. That is when the body begins to care for itself and provide what it needs. Interesting. He should have preached this. So Jesus needed rest, and God honors those who demonstrate their trust in him. Psalm 23. You know this psalm. Listen to the words again. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my what? So it's not just about your body. It's about your mind and your soul and your spiritual connection. Rest honors God even when there is more to do. We all know this. There will always be a rational reason 
for you and I to say to God, I just, I can't do it now. Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Uh Uh-oh. God even thought of that. Well, it's just one of those seasons, preacher. I just got to do what I got to do because you never know. No, you got to trust that God, who can provide manna all week long, can take care of you on the one day you worship him. And I, I guess I need to declare this. When I'm talking about worship, please don't think I'm talking about this hour. If this is all the worship you get, we don't understand worship at all. Worship is filling in every one of these boxes with a response to Jesus Christ as our hope in everything we do. Isaiah 58, verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find the joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the heights. Let me just take Isaiah 58 and summarize it. If you give God what he's asking you to give him as an act of worship, then God will bring things to you you could never get on your own. So what do you want? Do you want the things the Lord wants to give you? Or do you want to limit yourself to the things you can produce for yourself? It's ultimately how we choose to rest. So what I'd like to do is encourage your hearts this morning by telling you about the promised blessings. And I'm just going to pour a bunch of scripture on you, not to prove I'm right, because I want you to hear the word of God and understand that rest is not an optional thing that you might do when you have time. Rest is a rhythm of worship. It's a rhythm of health and spiritual vitality. So this is what the Lord promises, renewed strength. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is an anecdote to what the world is struggling with. It's why we're the most high-stressed and over-medicated culture ever. Because we're trying to provide for ourselves what only God can give us. And I want you to know that if you want renewed strength... Spend some time away from all the demands of life in the presence of God, honoring him through what you do. It also helps us to know God's peace. And many of us struggle with this too, but there's hope. Psalm 3, 5, I lay down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Last week when we were talking about work, it was third hour of worship here, and I got a little bit ornery and silly, and I made a statement that got tweeted. It was the line only line that anybody cared about last week, and here's what I said. You're not God, take a nap. (laughs) Should have saved that for this week. Because for many of us, I lie down, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. God can run this universe without you. He's done quite well. So when you need to rest in him and trust him, that a nap could actually be an act of worship. I just justified every Sunday afternoon of my life. Okay, so (laughs) Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The ability to rest brings peace, and peace means wholeness. It means right with God and right with man. It's being able to live as a whole human being. God also promises us the absence of fear. 
which for many of us we live under. Matthew 6, 31, Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So, Mark, what does it mean to rest? Seek first the kingdom of God. And the ways you can do that are myriad. So it's not sitting in church. It's not going in a dark closet and doing nothing but Bible reading all day. That's not what the Sabbath was. They didn't lock themselves and lay on the floor, not moving for fear of God. They actually spent time as families speaking about God, working together for the kingdom, and loving each other the way God's called us to. That's pretty simple, isn't it, church? And we can do this. And when we spend time on that, we're right with God. God deals with our fears. The absence of anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7. We're promised this. Cast all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. Worry steals our rest because we wonder, does God care at all? And I'll tell you this. Spend some time at the cross and ask yourself the question, does God care about me at all? And you'll find about he cares about you all the time. Worry can become worship when you spend time understanding the value of the cross and the redemption of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we know that the promise of rest is to spend time with God. And you can rest every day. You don't have to limit it to one day a week. There are periods of time. The morning watch, the Bible refers to, is the time to rest in the presence of God. And you don't have to produce You don't have to journal for an hour for God to love you. You don't have to read 97 chapters of Scripture. You can spend time with the truth of God's Word and just rest in that. Or as I was taught a long time ago at church camp, and I'll never forget it, waste time with God. It may be the best worship you ever do. Because the world's calling for more, and God says, just be still and know that I am God. The presence of God is another hope that I can offer you today in rest. Exodus 33, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We just finished the book of Romans. And the apex for me in Romans is in chapter 8, where it says, if God is for us, then what? Right? Who can be against us? So I need to ask you some questions to encourage your heart. If God is for us and the stock market is against us, are we okay? Some of us are. Okay. If God is for us and your 4-OK is against you, Are you still okay? If God is for you and your relationship relationships aren't the way you want them, are you still okay? If God is for you and your work is hard and life is hard, are you still okay? Love it. Resting in that is one of the most beautiful acts of worship. And the experience of peace in death. Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. Don't we have a good God who doesn't need our help, but he accepts it anyway? I'm sorry, that was a question. Let me try that again. Don't we have a good God who doesn't need our help, but he accepts our, our efforts anyway, whether they're feeble or not? And he will reward us for our efforts of trusting him. Because that's what he builds the kingdom on, is trust, not productivity. He's never called us to be successful. He's only called us to be faithful. So, this morning as I head to conclusion, I'd like to share with you 
some of the things that compromise or destroy rest, especially in our culture. The first is busyness. Busyness is a choice for which we will be held accountable. So the world says, do, 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 go, go, go. And I want you to know that a part of rest is also something we'll talk about next week, which is play. That God is a playful God. Because play means to enjoy. So resting doesn't mean we can't enjoy what we've been given. In fact, I think rest and play come together in a beautiful marriage. But I want to suggest something, and I'm really curious in your honest response. I think when we look at work, rest, and play, the reason we're not in rhythm with God is because one of those will always stand out as the thing we choose, as if we only get one of them and we don't have balance. For some of us, all we do is work. For some, all we do is rest. And for some, all we do is play. And the real life of rhythm is having a balance of all three. And God leads us to that. But busyness challenges all of them. Ecclesiastes 2.23, Solomon wrote, All his days his work is pain and grief. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. I read this week in a magazine that there's never been a culture that's been more reliant on sleeping pills than ours. And what does that tell you? We don't know how to rest. This world is grinding us up and spitting us out. Luke 21, 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Busyness, whether work, rest, or play, is unbalanced if it doesn't create time for us to be united with God in what and why we're doing it. I want you to think through this with me. If in your work there's no time for you to connect with the creator of all work and the giver of your gifts, if in your rest there's no connection with God, and in your play there's no connection with God, then we are out of sync, we are out of balance, and we're a broken creation. But should we be able to bring our worship to our work, our rest, and our play, then we are glorious creatures of God, sons and daughters of the King who are experiencing the blessings only God can give. The last thing I want to bring up then is not only does busyness destroy and crush and ruin rest, but so does unconfessed sin. What the Bible might call guilt and shame. And the reason we don't rest well with God is because we're at odds that he knows what we've done and we know what we've done, but we can't bring ourselves to fall at mercy in his presence. Psalm 32, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There is a relationship with God in which the rhythm of life comes together beautifully. Without him, no rhythm you establish will work. And so the cross, the work of Jesus Christ by coming to earth for us is our rest, church. We rest in the work of Jesus, which means our work can't become an idol because we already have a king. We serve one greater than our work. Our rest doesn't become our idol because we serve and rest in Christ. When he said, it is finished, church, it was finished. 
There's nothing we have to bring to our salvation except to trust him and obey him. And then even next week as we enter into play, you're going to see a beautiful connection to the cross too. So John told us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do we believe that to be true, church? That if we rest in Christ, the work is finished. Our hope is in him, not in anything else. And the rhythm of life works. So this morning, what I'd like us to do is I'd like to pose three questions to the church. We felt this was the best way to wrap up a teaching that we think you're aware you need to do, but you've maybe not been sure why you should do it or how you should do it. So this morning, I'd like to give us a question and have us just to have 10, 20 seconds of silence for you to either write it down or ponder it. And if you want to rest in something, rest in this. What promise shared today? of the things that God wants to give you in rest. What promise shared today resonates with your heart and soul? When I was talking about an absence of fear or a presence of God or peace, which one made you want to stand up and go, I want want that. That's what I seek. Spend a few moments asking yourself the question, what's a blessing of rest that I so desire? next thing I'd like us to ponder is what could you do in your time of rest to worship? What is an expression of your love and appreciation to God? It might be flowers. It might be writing. It might be reading. It might just be sitting in silence and soaking that in. What could you offer God as an act of worship in your time of rest? I'd like us to just spend a few moments of silence together. Let's ask God for the strength and focus to seize the gift of rest for what it is, to receive the blessings of knowing that we are his, we are safe, we are loved, we are valued, and just enjoy a Sabbath rest in God. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.